Welcome to the Abundance Matrix Underground Podcast. Get ready to go behind the scenes with Amanda Flaker and listen in on private conversations she's had with powerful creators who are building the new world, as well as her thoughts on the Abundance Matrix. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode I'm excited to share today's conversation with you because it is with two women that I've been working with in the last year, essentially around my business. Kinsey with the branding side of my business and Christy with my my personal relationship with my business. And all of us also just deeply in the conversation of how do we really prepare and offer the the best tools to all of this influx of what what we call empath entrepreneurs that are coming online and the level of psychological safety that not only safety but witness because witness is what provides the the psychological safety because in the witness and in our ability to really know as we come online, really know what code we are uploading into the matrix, what code we're uploading to be recorded over and over and over because that's that's part of what the internet is. And, and people who are more magician or alchemist mindset that are working strategically, specifically in the realm of strategic anomaly with being online itself and playing with that space in a way of wanting to purposely bless it. There's so much here. There's so much to unpack here, but I can tell you as someone who's highly sensitive and especially deeply like mentally or psychically sensitive to the whole collective and being online the last two years, being visible, being public, being online, being censored, going through all of it, whilst at the same time, unpacking what it means to brand myself, what it means to prioritize what I personally need in order for my business to thrive and looking at all the areas where I had such deeply rooted shadow contracts that just what and what I mean by shadow contracts for those of you who are not familiar with with what I teach um, to me shadow contracts are just agreements that we've made with lack agreements that where we've made subconsciously where we believe and we are agreeing that we're not enough and there's not enough and so therefore we're giving permission through our belief for not enough to show up and the I've been in some fascinating places the last year, last two years really looking at this, but especially the last year, while such a major transition is going on in my life. So for those of you who follow me, you've probably noticed such a massive shift in, in even what I'm putting out. I'm definitely getting off certain platforms, getting into new spaces, um, seeing what's out there, and I'm realizing there's so much incredible innovation, and it starts with a resonance. It starts with an intention, really, and us being very, very clear what our intention is, and so much about being public, it gets hazy there, hazy, 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 haze. There's haze there because of all of these unconscious agreements that are deeply psychological. And when 
the, the process of being a conscious creator and also knowing that our intention is for restoration and for for thriving and just the 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 amazing polarity that happens when we prioritize thriving because think of all the things we justify in the name of thriving well we were in survival mode so yeah we kill people or yeah they were in survival so of course they did that but when we prioritize thriving can you feel like this space where all the shadow contracts come up all those quote-unquote demons come up because they they reinforce the belief because what we believe we create that's how powerful we are regardless of the belief is negative or positive or anything in between so there's something about fine-tuning our art and as I've been talking in these deep conversations with Kinsey and Christy about what it means to to brand myself and um, a couple things that have just stood out to me so deeply. One is that Kinsey always says branding um, doesn't happen in isolation. Like a brand is not built in isolation. That, that's been a game changer for me. And, and even just psychologically realizing, prioritizing, letting people into such personal deep spaces and the kind of space um, as entrepreneurs we need to allow for not just anyone to come into those spaces where we have deep needs but but also other empath entrepreneurs other people who are gifted and other people who are prioritizing restoration other people who are in sovereignty that we're not going to create shadow contracts with there's such a deep deep level of discernment that that's very primal and and it's it's something that I I believe a lot of us are 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 urging and just naturally spontaneously activating in our resonance field because we're we're prioritizing thriving. So it changes the conversation a lot. And this conversation in particular with Kinsey and Christy is really about around that, around that psychological um, experience and just around the epiphanies and downloads that we've been receiving. And you guys have probably heard me share, I recently shared a conversation with Christy, who um, she's a business coach and she's helped me, like I said, realize the level of priority that I need to give myself that I wasn't giving myself which was exactly why my business wasn't thriving in the ways that it needed to to go to the next step and that particular psychological process for me has been where I've been sitting for the last year having to be so still and prioritize what I really want to prioritize what is the bigger picture picture what's the vision and what I've found fascinating is that I think for a lot of empath entrepreneurs, the it's when we are deeply feeling, especially if we've let the collective dialogue get too deeply embedded in our resonance, we lose sight of a future. We can't see the world we're anchoring down. We can't see, we can't feel the anomaly anymore. And so part of prioritizing thriving it starts in our resonance and that's when we get so we get the opportunity to be so incredibly discerning and picky about what we even allow our our mental chatter to get caught up in so 
that this level of prioritizing ourselves is uncomfortable. What I've found it's uncomfortable and it's especially a lot of very uncomfortable, uncomfortable for people who have survived by um, tuning into what everyone else needs because it's almost like we, we've historically bypassed deep preferences for so long that we've almost numbed out. We, we forget that we even have a choice. But that, so that choice is still being made all the time. It's just a strong resonance for us. But it's most often in what we don't want because it's deeply anchored in the, the belief that I'm not enough or there's not enough. So it's, it's, it's usually dictated through fear, guilt, or shame. And that's why dissolving these and, and completely revolutionizing even the way we relate to people by prioritizing what feels good to us personally, just, just simply the kind of relationships we want to have, it's a game changer. So this was a lot longer of an intro than I expected, but I wanted to set up this conversation just for me personally because the background story for me with these two women have been very deeply psychologically primal. And the one thing I love about all both of them and our particular vibe together is that it it strongly anchors in that witness, which to me is the next level for for true innovation and um, entrepreneurship and that ushers in a renaissance. It, it starts with such a deep psychological preference that we are not even a match to the things we don't want and knowing that we get a choice. We can step into the future and literally write the future that we want right now is ripe for that. So this, this process, this psychological process for anyone building a brand, but especially for anyone building a brand who is highly sensitive and empathic and also truly wants to create the essence of restoration, allow like their space to create art, to inspire living and thriving and, and innovation. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. I would love to hear about it if you do. And without further ado, let's jump right in and talk abundance. All right. So like I said, I'm so excited to dive into this because we've been weaving, the three of us have been weaving around the topic of value branding, um, nuance and subtleties, bridging polarities. Mm -hmm. And these are all such deep themes that the collective is going through. And I find it fascinating, like the deeper I go into this, Kinsey, since you've been in my world and um, pointing me in the direction of honing my resonance and my branding, I've been amazed at how psychological this all is yeah and and I've been blown away by how this psychological piece and especially the most unconscious of those psychological pieces run the show yeah and so I'm excited to talk to you both about just the the process that you you've been going through and what you've been learning and and I know both of you or all three of us have been we're deep divers so we've been like deep in this in the psychological side of this and I just kind of want to bring it all to the conscious like everything we've been talking about I feel like we're we're weaving something and and even building a vocabulary and a narrative and language around this process so yeah I want to dive in into this we talked about um, 
the bridge archetype. And I think that, I don't know if you guys want to start there, but I think like everything kind of comes from that. Like the, the psychological pieces all exist around that when you need to create the bridge in the first place. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I've been deep diving into, um, you know, the subconscious and how it really does drive our decisions and who we are. Um, and that's what branding really is, is it's, it's about our behavior, which is ultimately about our identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so much of that is subconscious. So much of that is beneath the surface that our conscious mind isn't necessarily really aware of. <clears throat> and so with archetypes, um, in particular, there are all these archetypes that live within our collective subconscious that do drive who we see ourselves as, um, whether we're aware of it or not. And, you know, over the course of human history, there have been all of these archetypes, you know, the, the hero, you know, there's different hero archetypes of, you know, the, the innocent, the altruist, the wanderer, um, all of these things exist within all of our consciousness. So we're not just one archetype. We're actually all of them, right? It's right. all within our subconscious. It's just, there's certain things that activate those different archetypes and sometimes just depending on the phase of life that we're in and the, the context, but with the bridge archetype, you know, with, with all the research that I've done in archetypes, that's an archetype that doesn't really come up anywhere in any of the texts that I've read. Um, and I think you're right, Amanda, what you said is the bridge archetype is really the archetype of the entrepreneur or sorry, the empath um, and empath entrepreneurs in particular, they're somebody who is bridging, bridging the divide, um, who are interested in the nuance and the subtleties between polarities. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I just, I have not seen represented as an archetype and is obviously not really represented in uh, our culture as well. And so it's like, we're creating a new archetype that hasn't really existed within our subconscious, <laughs> you know, of, of in human history. So we're creating a new archetype, a new way of being basically that that's nuanced and subtle and different for every person too. But, you know, it, it's, that's what it feels like. It's like, we're creating a new archetype, a new way of being. And I wonder if that's why witness is so key, because mm-hmm. how do we see and know what we are if we can't witness what we are? Yeah. And yeah. there's something specifically about conversations like this and connections like this, where we can witness each other that, and not just witness each other, but talk, talk about what it feels like, like that, yeah. that's, I find it it's interesting how revolutionary these conversations have been for a lot of people that mm-hmm. message me that hear these conversations are like, I don't hear these conversations anywhere in my life. And yet these are like the most, I think just they're hu- the deepest human kind of conversations. You know, it's interesting that we don't have conversations about how we feel and the deep psychology of, especially how we feel as we are, branding ourselves or as we're creating a business or as we are um whatever we do in that realm and Christy I know you have like that's a part that I feel like you have a big piece to as well because of your 
your unique perspective on the witness. And I would mm -hmm. love to just like hear what your, how this has been for you and understanding this archetype. Yeah, for sure. I just think that, um, you know, we, we've been through uh, a lot of different phases when it comes to like the self-development world and the spirituality, you know, circles and stuff like that. And one of the things that came with such a prominent belief, at least that I was experiencing as I was, you know, going down those paths was just that, you know, whatever you need, you need to give it to yourself, right? If you, you don't feel loved, then you need to love yourself. So if you don't feel validated, you need to validate yourself. And, um, and I think that that is true. And it's also incomplete. Um, be, because when we are human beings, and we came here to be in a world of duality, um, then there's something about um, witness that um, it makes the experience of expressing something and being seen expressing something complete. Yeah. Um, in my experiences, I've, you know, deep done a deep dive on that and myself, like, and currently in, um, in a, in a mastermind where I'm being witnessed in the way that I feel like I can witness probably for the first time in my life. And it is rapidly healing, closing gaps for me, you know, completing things. Mm -hmm. um, and the, I think what, what we have to remember, you know, which, you know, you talk about quantum physics a lot, right? Like the observer effect, like what's observed is changed. And we think we can just observe that within our own psyche or through our own journaling. And there's definitely value to that. I'm not discounting it at all. Um, but the witness of somebody else that's holding unconditionally loving space that can witness something and not like call it good or bad or right or wrong allows us to start to bridge these archetypes or, or these polarities inside of ourselves, um, which is where our sovereignty is, which is where heaven on earth is. So yeah. like the whole concept of, of empaths being the bridge archetype, what, what do you guys feel about that? Or like, what does that mean to you guys when you hear that? Really? I feel think the, oh, sorry, go ahead. It's okay. <laughs> I was just going to say that it, um, I think the reason that empaths are, you know, which you, I love that we just made that whole connection in the last couple of days, yeah. the empaths being the bridge archetype is because of nuance. Mm -hmm. um, because we look at the nuance of our psychology, the nuance of our energetics, and we look at that so deeply that we can, we can see um, both extremes and start to witness those, you know, the other polarities within ourselves so that we can, instead of swinging from one extreme of the polarity to the other, which is what we do sometimes if, you know, we've, we've been so very, very selfless and, you know, somebody might coach us to be like completely selfish and swing to the other end. And, and that's, that's also a fine experience. And sometimes uh -huh. we need to have some of those experiences, but the nuance comes in. I feel like what empaths are, are offering is like, can you reach and hold that part of yourself? That is the other polarity while also like not needing to um, make, make so much disruption or destruction in the process by being able to hold both of those things simultaneously and expressing the one that's been more weak in your system without, you know, having to be on social media screaming about your viewpoint or whatever. It is. Right. Yes. <laughs> that's such a rare thing to be able to hold space for both. And it's, and yet it's so needed for healing. 
It's what humanity needs most. And that's why people, in my mind, people who can create this space, it starts out creating it for yourself. If you can first create it for yourself and then commune and connect about it like we're doing and create it for others, it starts to exponentiate. And it is a need. Entrepreneurs meet needs, fix, solve problems. And it's just one that it's so nuanced that we don't realize that's our, one of our deepest, greatest needs is spaces, sacred spaces where we're able to be all that we are, yeah. everything that we are, both sides of all our polarity without making one right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, when I did my thesis on empathy um, back in 2017, uh, I think Brene Brown actually says empathy is the bridge back to each other. Mm. And I think this gets down to value too, is valuing how you feel and valuing and validating how somebody else feels. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, being able to see both and hold the space between is, is definitely something that's difficult because really the practice of empathy requires you to recognize and understand the emotion in somebody else in addition to understanding your emotion within yourself as well. Mm -hmm. And valuing that feeling, I think is the, maybe the reason we are so polarized and divided is because we're not, not actually valuing how we're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it gets into that, like you're either good or you're bad. If you're mm-hmm. able to be that type of person, that's able to hear all sides of all arguments or all perspectives and be able to find that discernment to be like, this is what I agree with or disagree with. And it's okay that I disagree. Mm -hmm. That takes a level of maturity and um, valuing yourself and, and other people. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm sorry, go ahead, Christy. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I know every time we have a conversation, all of us, I can feel like we're all like, cats we, we're so like tuned into it almost like cat watches <laughs> we're also like that um that's not what I was going to say though but what you were tuning into Kinsey is it what I feel when you say that is how we how deeply wired we are to go to war even if it's war doesn't have to mean out in a battlefield shooting guns war can just it's it starts psychologically us and it's yeah. why we feel, it's why we never heal. Because the second I have to make you wrong or myself wrong or someone wrong, I, I create that separation, which causes trauma, right? Mm-hmm. And psychologically, the second I make someone or something wrong, not to say I can't say it doesn't feel good. It's not the same as making something fundamentally wrong. It, the second I make it wrong, I put, I'm in that victim aggressor savior paradigm and and therefore all the programming that that I'm subjected to which is thousands of years old like it's so deep and that's why it'll be so validated you can find people to validate you you can find people who will also make it wrong and go to war with you with it and and there's something what I I'm I'm fascinated in terms of subtleties and nuances about even the the chemical composure of that stance and mm-hmm. what it's doing to our bodies. And, and I think it's directly connected to the breakdown of our human technology, which mm-hmm. because our human technology is so relational. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, I think that's where like to bring that into like the value conversation for those of us who are consciously or, um, you know, committed to and valuing creating heaven on earth to step into this uh, new reality that is available to us that we're, we're sort of um, calibrating to then the value, like you've been saying a lot lately, Amanda, that the, the humans, we are the value. Mm-hmm. that that is what is the game changer is that we value <laughs> our humanness and we value this conversation that we're having around looking at this nuance and paying attention to the subtleties of our energies and how we're feeling and making that more important than the things in the external world that are they're telling us to cling on to this that or the other for safety mm-hmm. yep well and I find it interesting that the way that that the lack paradigm works and the way it reinforces itself is it's, it's all about the, the philosophy. You have to have the right philosophy. Like there's this weird belief that there's somehow this, this one elusive truth and the, the, the lucky people that find it and do it right are the ones that get rewarded and everyone else. It's entirely okay to abuse them kill them, murder them, whatever we want to do, however we want to do it, think of them as less than separate ourselves Mm -hmm. from them because we do it in super subtle ways, like through elitism. And we find nothing wrong with I'm better. I'm better. Mm -hmm. I'm more, I'm above, I'm superior. It's so weird to me how it's, it's accepted in the game. It's so deeply psychologically accepted until all of a sudden we get hurt or we hurt someone else, or there's literal war breaking out. And then we're, then we're trying to point the figure the finger at what philosophy is responsible for it. Yeah. It mm-hmm. rather than the entire way of the, the system or the belief itself that only there's only one way to see or be in this world. There's only one way to think, you know, it's, it's just fascinating to me how deep it goes, how deeply, deeply psychological it is. Yeah. I think something that's coming up from this too, is like really valuing our differences. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really what gets this back to branding is like, what are your differences? Um, Those are your most valuable assets is what makes you different. What makes Mm -hmm. you, you. And I think the, the problem of actually like being yourself um, because it's like the best advice and the worst advice because <laughs> it's like who are you really yep. you know and I think more so the problem is are you really willing to let other people see who you really are mm-hmm. and because you're gonna show your differences and in the past our differences have been a source of pain because of this paradigm because of this issue of polarity of good bad right wrong this or that and differences are nuanced they're subtle you know but they're powerful Yep. So your differences mm-hmm. are your source of power, but you have to value them and you do have to value them in other people as well. Yep, exactly. Yeah, it's, and this is something that Kenzie and I've spent a lot of time talking about lately um, with, with the differences. And I, it's, it's a difference between there's a big push rate for individualism. There's like this like, you know, it's almost like a cult in itself individualism is, but to individuate, you know, and to be in your differences, that is like back to our, our sovereignty and our, you know, that singularity point of our resonance, that's truly who we are. 
And it feels like when we do that, we're limiting ourselves because we think we have to be that plus all these other things in order to survive. We don't even realize how deep that programming is. But in heaven on earth reality, that is the place where everything starts to work correctly, where we're, we have provision and we have freedom and provision and we have freedom and provision and love. And we have all the things is to stay in that place of that differentiation. And then we can have true co-creation and to, true collaboration that doesn't, you know, end up feeling like, um, you know, these contracts and these shadow contracts that we've been inside the lack matrix where we're sacrificing something because, you know, we, we can really weave that tapestry of, of things together through being truly ourselves and not having to be that plus more and surrender to the collaboration and the co-creation that's possible and watch the exponential amount of, of value we can create together. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And what you're talking about reminds me of um, someone in the group brought it up someone brought it up when I was live on Monday of sacred economics and how the concept is giving your surplus to one's lack. So Mm. it's a different type of exchange and it's connected to that um, conscious transactions that Till Swan talks about where we ask ourselves, what do I authentically have a surplus of that I want to give? And what, like, what do I love to give and what do I authentically need? And then Mm -hmm. navigating even because, because all value and all, all money traces our psychology, money directly reflects our psychology. So if we meet the deep psychological needs, starting with the transparency of being able to own where we have need without shame, Mm -hmm. that's so much of it right there. And when you first started talking about this, you talked about like feeling like, we, I, what I got out of it is it just reminded me of how I felt in the beginning of being, having my own business and just, you, you kind of look what everyone else is doing. You try to do it right. You feel like you need to work hard and do enough. And if you're not doing it, you're just not doing it enough. And there's such a hustle, even in the positive thinking movement, it's like, if you just, you know, think positively and do it right or don't work. I don't know. I just always felt like there was some elusive thing out there that I was missing but what it what what I've realized the deeper I've got is that it was psychological all along and that the more I know and understand what my not only my deep needs are but then past needs go to like desire what I authentically desire and prefer like preferences right down to the smallest things that the more I align there the more I feel like my my resonance takes care of the rest. And mm-hmm. that to me is where I think I am when, as I'm tapping into like branding and what, what is my essence and what is the essence? It, it's, you talk about the singularity point. There's a connection there between, I think, I wonder, I'm thinking it in this moment, but a connection point between the archetype and knowing the code of the archetype of the bridge and the singularity point that then mm-hmm. running out exactly the signal that gives gives abundance to the sur- to the lack and and you get surplus to your lack. Mm. Yeah, and that gets into like valuing what you really desire and what you really want and being clear about that mm. so that you do have a clear signal. And the language that I use for that um to have that clear signal and to just be in a place where 
um, you know what you want and you're attracting what you want is really like your bliss point in your business mm. where it's just like, it feels so good. And, you know, you feel like you have enough, but you're also looking for the next exciting thing for you. Yeah. It just like feels good to be in your business because you're clear and you're valuing who you are, what you want. And, um, yeah, you're including yourself in the equation of your business instead of trying to fit some sort of label that you're not doing it right or you're not doing it enough. Mm-hmm. You are just totally yourself. Yeah. And you know, for me, as I've been doing that, I've realized that what I have a surplus of is conversations like these. I And it's mm-hmm. rare because I am constantly connecting with and communing deeply and and exchanging codes with people like you, people who are deeply part of, of re of of reprogramming the whole thing from the inside out. And, and I realized because as I've, as like YouTube censoring gets worse and worse, and it's just changing anyway, for a while, I was taking that as like, I was doing something wrong, or I was being punished, or like, I, I, I was in this weird psychological place with it. And just recently, well, not just recently, within the last month, really, as I've been doing the podcast, it's been the coolest, most lighthearted, like life-giving space, because I, I remember saying at one point, I just want to have awesome conversations and make a lot of money. I don't actually really want to work hard. I don't, I truly don't. And I felt guilty about that for a long time, but I know that when I'm in my power point point and that singularity point, I create a resonance that is restorative. And, and that is the value. I create it for myself. I create it for others. I, when I get excited and I'm in it more and going more towards it, I, everything in my life, I can feel how my resonance expands and shifts everything around me and truly instigates that alchemical process, which I believe empaths are capable of instigating. So Mm -hmm. I'm seeing like, whoa, how did I get so, I started out not paying any attention whatsoever to views or subscribers, or you guys know that I've never marketed, like paid money for it. I've never paid for advertising. My following was totally organic. And then weirdly at the peak of, of my followers, when I hit like out of the blue, I was at like, almost 45,000 subscribers that from that point on that it started going back the second I started paying attention to it. And Mm. it was a series of things, which there's a 3d logical. I was like, Oh, I interviewed Nick Harris and he's being censored. And that's when it started. And then like, so I went through this whole thing feeling it activated the feeling of I did something wrong, but I realized on an even deeper level, it weirdly like revealed to me this, this area where I had not understood the economics of my, what I was exchanging on YouTube. And I don't know, it's, it's something I've had to undo, undo the whole views matter. And what, what, how I grew in the first place is adopting that belief. I truly wasn't doing it to get viewed. I actually was terrified to get viewed and I wanted a small (laughs) amount of people to see me. And I've come back to that same thing where I realized, Oh yeah. I don't want a lot of people to see me. Yeah. I just don't. It's a, it like, and I, I can feel it in my resonance that I want to be like a well-kept secret hidden in plain sight. I want it to feel like when you stumble upon me, you've stumbled upon a secret, like, but a beautiful, like a community, a communion, a light, a glow. And, and 
when I realized that was my true urge, the urge of, of, of my essence, I feel like, okay, I get my branding now and I get it. And yeah. I didn't, I didn't get it until honestly, as I lit the flame of the podcast and just the shift of, I don't even have to be seen. There's something so amazing in not having to be on film at all, you know? And so it's and not that I'm not going to be on film because my YouTube channel is becoming something else. But anyway, I dove deep in that and I've blabbed for a little bit, but that like <laughs> you guys are helping me even re- reflecting and seeing this process in even just our work together and already like this space that I finally feel like I have clarity and it wasn't about doing the right thing. It was about psychologically working through where I have guilt and shame around my needs and desires and preferences. Yeah. And I think we have a lot of, um, and part of the reason why I said like, you know, are you really wanting to actually be seen as yourself? I feel like that's probably the biggest issue that people have in being themselves is that there's like this fear of being disliked by people and Mm -hmm. so much shame that comes up with that. Cause it's like, oh, if you dislike me, then that means I did something wrong. Yeah. And I deserve, yeah. But really, especially in business, if you're disliked by some people, if like you're even repelling some people, that means you're actually probably doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that means you're actually being yourself more and more because you're actually finding people that don't match with you, which means you'll find people that will match with you. Yep, exactly. And there's something freeing about that because there's, I think as entrepreneurs, it's at least I did. And in ways that surprised me because I, I sort of like prided myself on, Oh, like I, I use the multidimensional internet. I don't have to rely on 3d tech. And then when it got like glitched, I was like, Whoa, like it, it freaked me out. And it made me realize how much I was relying on it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, it and there's just something so nuanced right there about I have known it the whole time I've been on YouTube. It's how shadow contracts even came to me because there's something about being seen and putting yourself out there and in your vulnerability that directly everything that comes in my reality from being on YouTube directly shows me where all my deepest insecurities are. So I found out early on, Oh, this is kind of a shortcut into seeing the thing that I can't see. So I'll keep doing it, even though it's scary, because I'm seeing something so important. And there's something about that tech right there of being seen and judgment, because when I'm in deep judgment, I usually have someone reflect it back to me, especially one of my followers. It's like the easiest place for it to come back. And when I'm in deep love and witness of myself, I feel like my, the people who are connecting and resonating and communing in the same space that I am they're just also, we're just like amping each other up. It's not that like drain on your psychology type of, um, type of interaction. Yeah. And I think, uh, the judgment thing, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, especially, um, the incorporation of tech and, and having an audience, I feel like that's actually what the third eye is, Mm -hmm. is like, you have an awareness of, um, how other people are perceiving you. Yeah. And when you're online, when you've built an audience, it's like, that's just there. Um, there's this great podcast that I listened to and I've shared it with Christy. I've shared it with you too, Amanda. Um, uh, it's Colin and Samir, and they basically talk about the creator economy. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and they've been YouTubers for, you know, 10 plus years. And they did this episode on uh, the D'Amelios actually. Um, and this is like a 16 year old girl who just got famous like overnight because of TikTok. Like she just danced on the internet and it's, she's, she's now like one of the most popular people in the world. Wow. And wow. it's like, she talks about like the, the insecurities and the, um, the feeling that she has, like she's constantly aware of how other people are perceiving her mm-hmm. because yeah. of her online presence. Yes. And so like, that's what I feel like happens when you get online and when you build an audience, even if it's small, you know, like I only have like 36 or something subscribers on YouTube, but it's like, I can still feel I have people watching me. And so like my third eye is activated. I'm aware of how people perceive me Mm -hmm. and it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think people can fall into insecurity a lot with it. Um, but it's getting into that like individuation, like you were mentioning, Christy, um, into your interiority of who you are, where you're not feeling superior, you're not feeling inferior, you're mm-hmm. just you, and you're not worried about how other people perceive you. You have mm-hmm. the courage to be disliked by people. You have the courage to just be yourself, to- totally. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where like, the power of nuance can come in, you know, and to bring it back to like empaths and that, that deep ability to feel the nuance of things. Like for me in this same, you know, uh, example, it's like, I can feel both psychically people's judgments of me or how they're perceiving me, plus what that triggers in me, mm-hmm. plus what I, what might even be something that I go, you know, like there is a little something showing up in my field that I don't really, that I need to look at, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, there's like so many multiple things going on and, and it takes, I'm realizing for myself anyways, um, it takes a certain capacity of, of, of self to get to the point, to hold the space inside yourself for that nuance to go, okay, let me untangle this. Mm -hmm. This is a multi-layer. This has got multiple things going on to be able to look at what is psychically I'm perceiving from the other, the audience. What is it that's, that's triggering inside of me, my own judgments, my own, whatever. And is there something that I didn't even realize subconsciously that's coming in that I actually want to look at and go, you know, there might be something I need to integrate over there. Cause I don't want that energy kind of coming into my, my true essence energy as I'm, you know, giving myself to the world basically. Yeah. And how that can like influence our ego, mm-hmm. you know, like those judgments and those insecurities and everything. And it's like getting into like your essence of yourself, you know, that's, that's your true core of yourself, the distillation of that and realizing that you can, have your ego work for you instead of against you, which can happen when you feel all this judgment from other people, you know, it can get you out of alignment with your, your core self. Yeah. Cause like we, I think what happens in this is that discernment part, right? We have to really up our discernment at this point and fine tune it to realize or to understand and perceive like, is this feedback I'm getting, whether it's psychic or literal, is this feedback I need to take in or not? Because sometimes we're taking in feedback that is not right for us. It is somebody else's projection or somebody else's stuff. So it's that discernment piece of going, all right, is this mine or is this yours? You know? 
Well, and you know what I've found in that piece of the discernment is like, because I, I can understand that maybe it could be something someone else is perceiving about me. I have this, um, this overwhelming need to instantly validate everybody. Mm-hmm. And so almost like saying, like validating that perspective, like the nuanced piece for me is being able to validate that other people may see in me, whatever they most fear or most love or most hate or whatever. Mm-hmm. And also that that can be a valid thing. And that I am, that it's valid, that I don't believe it. You know, it sounds so duh, mm-hmm. like duh. But I didn't, that was like a little subtle piece that some part of me somewhere along the line in my life believed that I had, it was my responsibility to validate other people's reality and, and discount my own. Like Mm -hmm. it was like, again, the either or, because only one of us, only one of us could uh, be right. Or only one of us could be allowed to feel how we feel. Like, again, the holding the space for for the, the polarity, there's something deep in there that, that at least in my psychology, I feel like YouTube has been a big part of heal, helping me heal because it's been so vulnerable for me from the get go. Mm-hmm. It's been vulnerable. And I kept, there's been, I think I've said this so many times there, there has been multiple times where I've almost deleted my whole channel or I'll just like, you'll, I'll go through a flame, like a shame flare up inside of me it doesn't happen so much anymore but in the beginning I would have these like flare-ups of shame and like truly believe like who the hell do I think I am and -hmm. I could just feel it and I knew sometimes I was feeling my own family members because obviously they're the first ones that see you kind of do something different and some of my family members are so uh, deeply um, religious and and have deep convictions about that and and like like nudge the family into into alignment with it sort of thing out of their, for their own good. And I think that, and I've been in that space myself. So I get it like on multiple levels. Anyway, I feel like I don't, again, I kind of went into a spin with that, but I'm recognizing how, how nuanced undoing that tangle is and how crucial it is to just have the piece of, first of all, it's all okay. Whatever I feel is okay. The, the emotion isn't wrong and I don't have to act on it. And I don't have to make an ultimate like judgment or decision or action. And that's what spirit has told me over and over with YouTube. Like, just wait, just see, just, and, and it, it's more been like, if you delete it, you're, you're basically saying on some level that it's not okay to be yeah. in a vulnerable space and to show it. And, mm-hmm. and that's the main part of me. That's the main reason why I've never deleted anything. Cause I'm like, there's old videos that I don't even agree with anymore that I, I like look at and I think I'm not even that same person but if I judge it and have to delete it then I judge and delete that part of me yeah Yeah. it's interesting as you're talking I was just seeing how you know the three of us have all been talking about this so much about the you know witness and and that we all are craving and urging for a communion more than anything and when you're talking I was like seeing how being seen by your audience has been this form of communion that's been very healing for you also vulnerable also painful at times but healing deeply healing because my and and especially the more I honed in and tuned into that communion I think in some ways that it's been like us all mothering each other like us Mm -hmm. all nurturing each other us all witnessing each other the more that I started tapping into witness I didn't even know that's what it was 
because I'm initially I tapped into judgment hardcore, hardcore. And a lot of people do in the beginning because we're super harsh on ourselves. So we're a match to the harshest judgments because we feel insecure. So, so a lot of people tap into that first and then think I can't deal with this. It's too much. Cause if you dive too deep down judgment lane, resonance wise, mm-hmm. it's like utterly painful. That's like the kind of stuff that will make someone kill themselves, Yeah, mm. you know, and that mm-hmm. online is the quickest way to activate that. Cause you can get it. You can get that download so fast. So much rides in on people's judgments yeah. and, and so much comes through the internet, particularly it comes quick. So like, you also have to be deeply spiritually aligned. I can also say YouTube has taught me spiritual, um, I was going to say spiritual warfare, but it's evolved now into just like conscious psychic communication, Mm. you know, Mm. being aware of what's the, the actual, because what I feel so strongly is I can, I can feel when someone's been incensed by me and they're in rage and it's half, like I can feel it in my astral grid. And I used to be like, I would let it take me like, oh no, like I did something wrong. And now I've learned this resonance of a that space of, Oh, someone's in someone's triggered gold mine. I'm going to bless it. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm part of that trigger. So I, I, it's on my, it's on, like, I have a direct psychic connection to it. And that's where I actually have power. And if I shrink from that, I could feel myself every time I would shrink on YouTube or shrink and want to delete myself. I could feel that I was like giving ast- like power, astral territory over in my resonance field. Mm. Just something that felt foreign. I think you're giving away how- authority. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I think this is how like hive mind type of energy can take us over, take over our, not to say, not to, that sounds so dramatic. I'm speaking metaphorically, but like take over our hijack, our, central nervous system our resonance and then we start just like we're like believing we're we're deeply hearing and believing the things that are like the most and not enoughness like you're not like the whole you and what's what's the the energy behind that is like we have to destroy it so I really do think it's how we make ourselves vulnerable to attack in every way or attack is a strong word we can just say like sickness or um just disruptions in our relationships and things like that because it's such a we we take it in so deeply that we vibrate it I think this is this relates to the bridge archetype um actually and I think the thing that I really realized about um empathy last year that you really brought to the surface for me Amanda after doing years of research on empathy I didn't really know what it meant to be an empath Mm -hmm. That was, you know, I, I knew how to, um, you know, help people practice it um, because I do believe people can practice that it's a skill that can be developed. Um, but I think the thing that's interesting about empathy, like being an empath is that we do, we feel because we inherently know that there is this connection between all of us, that it's intrinsic mm-hmm. that I feel like so many people have forgotten. Yeah. But it's just, that's, it, that is a core truth. We are all interconnected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is like being an empath is like, we can feel everything. We can feel everybody because we know we're a part of the same whole. Yeah. And that's what the bridge archetype I feel like really highlights is that that intrinsic interconnectedness, that like spiritual aspect that I feel like in our modern age, we've lost sight of 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Brene Brown talks about that as well, that that's like, that is the core thing is that's what empathy is about is understanding that we are all interconnected. Mm-hmm. This is very spiritual. It's well, not I, dogmatic, but it's spiritual. I think that's why anomaly communion is the anomaly, the ultimate anomaly. Cause we activate mm-hmm. communion. We activate our interconnected, our interconnectedness. We activate the empathy required to remember how we're all connected and it provides just in and of itself more space. So witness what we have, and then witness is what exponentiates the growth. Yeah. 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 I think there's something about people who are feeling called and or urged to be seen. It's mm-hmm. a, a lot of people are feeling that that urge to be seen in whatever way that means, but, but just to be seen more in their, in their, in their um, authentic frequency, in their authentic resonance, in their preferences, in their desires. Wow. That. And that's where it's like, what, what's needed so much then is, you know, is sanctuary. It is the safe, unconditionally loving place that you can be witnessed from that, you know, and that, that place of safety so that you can come out with all of that. You know, it's, I think that's why witness matters so much to me because um, I know I brought this up before, but just we're living, lived through such this emotional dark age of emotional neglect. And to one degree or another, we've all experienced that even as children growing up and the parts of us that are usually the most valuable, which are usually also the most vulnerable are the parts of us we usually had to put away and have been unseen. Mm. And as we, you know, if we're empathic entrepreneurs, I, I mean, I just see it over and over and over again, that, you know, our, our gifts are entangled in our trauma. They're entangled in our wounds and they're entangled in the neglect and inside sanctuary, inside a place where communion is, is really safe. And we can finally be witness for these parts of us that we um, are, are maybe even ashamed of because they are connected to our trauma or they just, we don't even, we don't value them because they haven't ever been valued Mm -hmm. and to come into our full, you know, power in our businesses if we want to build those businesses on our resonance I think that there's no other thing that's more needed than that sanctuary place to have communion to be witnessed as we bring all of this forward and I think like you're saying just like the exponential growth and healing that can happen inside of that I don't even think we can actually perceive it yet we can't conceptualize it because it's so far, it, it blows us so far out of the, there's not enough paradigm that. Right. Cause this, as I was saying that, that simultaneously, a part of myself was like, but are you going to get paid for that? Like literally I hear that voice in my head. Right. And yeah. it's like, Oh my God, it's so deep. <laughs> yeah. Because it's such a profound resonance shift that it, it matches us to someone else. I've been seeing this vision even for the three of us, because you know, we, um, when we met in Sedona to, to create that video and it's so connected to me rebranding and the fact that I already did it too, that piece of it since then, I feel like what has been happening is not a linear thing at all. It's that I'm my, I'm vibrating closer to like the, the, the core resonance of my heaven on earth 
and therefore I'm repelling quickly via certain things that trigger me because it's so outside of what I've allowed myself to receive, what I've allowed mm-hmm. myself to believe about myself. What I would, so all the all the areas, all the teeny little smallest minute areas where I have historically not allowed for that type of preference that or even allowed for that type of um openness or all of it I don't know that that deep of communion that that we could really truly really truly commune and Mm -hmm. and in in our power I think that's one of my deepest urge is to co-create with powerful creators because we Mm -hmm. have so people that actually believe what we're capable of Mm -hmm. because it's so rare yeah I love what you're saying about like your preferences too. I think the power of witness and communion really is, um, this has been coming to me over the last couple of weeks in particular, um, is the dissolving of shame. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's really the core of that is that when you are able to actually be seen in reality, in your preferences, in your desires, you can dissolve the shame that has actually ended up controlling you. Yep. Yes. And that's what, like, as we raise our frequency to match our resonance and also just our frequency in general, like all of that stuff that's not vibrating at that resonance, right? It's going to come up and has to come out. Otherwise we end up in that, like, there's such a, there's like this, we feel kind of bipolar, right? We're like, oh, I'm feeling so great. Oh my God, how'd they get way down here? You know, Yeah. it's like, like, I love that, Kenzie, that it's like the dissolving of that shame through witness, through communion. I mean, I think we just have to accept we cannot skip this step. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. And it's so interesting how shame is what blocks our solar plexus, what blocks our personal power. And something that Rachel Jensen talks about is our resonant will, like being able to hold our will in our resonance. And there's that's where sovereignty actually actually is, and it it comes from that solar plexus. Like it's when it's you allow yourself as part of the equation and your own wellness. That in and of itself like lights up your toroidal field, your resonance. That's like a it's like a natural uh, boundary. Mm. This this mm. is what it is. What it is. It, it's the 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 calculation itself. The resonance itself sustains the whole body yeah uh, so like a covering I saw that being like a covering that's like yeah oh there's something that it's it just this is the stuff that I feel like oh we're tapping into and the more we talk about it it's such a deep internal technology that that's what's cool about it we don't have to go and find people to to support research and to like that's part of it. And other people will do it that naturally want to do that. But what I'm saying is we just have to do it. Like we get to do it. We get we, the instructions are inside of us. Our, our, our resonance, our preferences are, are the key and the fine tuning mm. of that. And the deeper we get into that and no one has to, this is something we can do totally on our own. We don't have to share it on social media. You know what I mean? Like it is the, mm-hmm. I think the deepest level of activation is when we begin to explore how our technology works. And I think it comes down to also valuing our interests and our fascinations and our desires. Like whatever we really feel compelled to follow will help us understand these things because exactly. it, it, it is a mix of, you know, the internal journey, but it also is 
you know, exploring this 3D reality as well, because reality is the thing that ends up transforming us, but it is the internal work and the internal understanding of ourselves, the self-knowledge that then synchronizes with external reality that creates actual tangible results, even though that mm-hmm. can feel slow, it will compound over time. Yeah. And I wonder if like, for me, when I heard that connection made a long time ago between like desire, like how important desire is and, and how it, it literally magnetizes what we want. And I knew that there was, I was aware that I had blocks around desire, but what I, what I, I kind of am baffled by is, is how long it took me to realize the body was key. Mm-hmm. I was, I was in my mind for so long. I thought it was something I had to figure out. Yeah. I had to figure yeah, we out. End up, we end up almost like looking outside of ourselves, go looking at what other people want to figure out what we want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. And that makes me think of that book um, that I mentioned in Sedona, uh, Pussy by mm-hmm. uh, Regina Thumatower. I can't remember her last name exactly. Mama Gina. She goes by Mama Gina. Mm-hmm. Talks about how like we're so good at understanding what turns us off. Mm-hmm. But we're not great at pinpointing what really turns us on. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, we look to, okay, well, what does this person want? You know, we mimic other people yeah. in an attempt to understand ourselves better. Mm-hmm. Yes. And there's and then, value in that too, you know, to try things on. But, you know, I think that then comes down to discernment of like, well, what really feels good to me? You mm-hmm. know, just because it feels good to that person and they're clearly turned on by that, then, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I can try that, but if it doesn't feel right, that I can try something else. Yes. Just adjust and, it a little bit, you know? And, and that's where, like, I love that you brought that subject into this because, this is where, you know, where we're going to try to like really tap into our desire. One of the main things we have to work through again, com- goes back to shame and you, you bring up sexuality and like no other place do we have more shame really. And like Amanda and I said, when we were talking the other day, it's like where there's shame, we can't receive. And what we really want to do is receive the pleasure we desire, but we won't go to our desire because we, it'll immediately invoke shame. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. That bolt energy. It's like, for me, it's this bolt. I I realized I had this pattern of as soon as I would get really close to my desire, I would bolt, Mm -hmm. like energetically bolt, psychically bolt, physically bolt. Like I bolted and, and it was a psychological, it was connected to psychological shame, which I'm now seeing that that shame is, is the exact algorithm of lack and how it plays out in your body. Cause it's all the places we don't assert our will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, you use the word will and, you know, shame and everything. I think about existential kink mm-hmm. and the unification of the will by yeah. understanding our subconscious desires and that our desires are intertwined with our fears and that, when we experience these things more from a playful perspective, and that's where she talks about, you know, BDSM of like, you know, having the choice of experiencing a pain as a pleasure Mm -hmm. that we can actually dissolve our shame around the things that we desire. 
Mm -hmm. And we can unify our will so that we become more powerful individuals. Yeah. That have individuated. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, and how interesting that at this time right now, these topics are are actually once again, because they kind of come in and out of being hot topic, quote of topics, but people are polarizing so extremely. And it's around these sort of areas, around sex, around, around, um, the will around the body Mm -hmm. around um the the intuition and imagination versus like instincts Mm -hmm. you know like it's it's all right in here and it's it's the anomaly is us not and I think so many of us are doing it not having to like either or it like pick Mm -hmm. a side and that's what the energy is is want it's like pick a side pick a side but I think more and more people are like wait a second, like the truth is in the integration of all of it. Like the the truth is Mm -hmm. in the space where we can say all of it exists. And that's the truth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. And that's where our sovereignty sovereignty is, right? It's like, I keep coming back to that sovereignty is power plus authority. And that authority is our will. But if our will isn't aligned with our real power, with source coming through us, with our own spirit then then it's in submission to something outside of us yep you know yep and that's that integration point um like a lot of people you know most people are really more connected to one or the other right Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um and that's the always and and we all it's all nuanced but it's that's where the wholeness of that um really is what will change the world like you where we started out where you're talking about we we go to war and we go to war inside of ourselves Mm -hmm. it's an internal war that we're having and if we would recognize that and and all the ways that we're still at war with ourselves and bring those two things in alignment both our power and alignment with our will um our our knowingness and in alignment with our action Mm -hmm. then all of this outside of us would start to subside yes yep and it it, so it's 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 so deeply internal and those of us that are people that are making the space for the internal work and valuing it and putting energy there and time there and witness there and allowance there that is what's creating this exponential like growth I can feel it so many people are trying to value this yeah And I just want to honor that. Like, I feel like that's another thing, just like honor the fact that those of us who are doing this work, there's, there's a lot of us doing this work. It is making such a difference, but it's so intangible. It's not, you know, there's not like, we didn't build a sculpture that everyone's staring at or anything, but (laughs) but it, it just to honor it ourselves and value what is valuable to us and and that honoring Mm -hmm. value the intangible. Yeah, because we really have, and Chrissy and I have talked about this a lot, is that the intangible has been devalued. You know, it's been sidelined because it hasn't, it doesn't come about with tangible results sometimes. Mm -hmm. That's a byproduct. But that tangible result is usually the result of all this intangible work. Mm -hmm. And so it's like if you devalue the intangible, then the results, the tangible aren't going to be as um, potent and powerful as they could be because you're devaluing the part that actually creates the biggest transformation. Exactly. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. You, you reminded me of this video. I think I posted it in the group. It was on the blockchain, but the, the person in it was talking about how entrepreneurs are almost brilliantly lazy. And, and what he <laughs> was, like, we have to figure out a way to solve, like entrepreneurs are always about, well, let's solve the problem though, the core root. So it's the time that we value that looks so intangible where you find 500,000 different ways not to do something, but then you get to the point where you, you find the thing, the code that solves the issue and mm-hmm. it's rewrite an algorithm. And I think I said it in one of our conversations too, when I was reading, I was listening to a book. I can't even remember what it is right now, but, and I was only listening to the intro, but he was talking about some Google employees, um, not Google, Apple. Hmm. Well, someone who's really famous for like rewriting one of their main algorithms. And at the time when he did it, they were requiring the employees to like um, put in how many, how many whatever how many things they reprogrammed I can't even remember how they say it in their language but at the end he was like negative 4,000 or some ridiculous amount of number but he had created an entire new algorithm that transformed their company and made it what it is today so intangible results he was like the furthest behind and for some reason that resonated. I probably butchered the specifics of that but (laughs) the the story of that resonated so deeply with me because I know we are rewriting an algorithm yes in the human code and you 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 it it, to anyone else and to most people who are just paying attention to the who are just in the narrative and not really looking behind the scenes it it seems completely irrelevant until all of a sudden it's the most irrelevant it's the most relevant thing Mm -hmm. there is to our upgrade yeah. Yeah. We need to value the ideas and the thinking that goes behind the ideas. Mm-hmm. Even if that idea doesn't necessarily work out, it still gives us experience to be able to figure out what does. Yep. And this gets me to this awesome book that uh, Christy actually read as well um, called The Win Without Pitching Manifesto um, by Blair Ains. And um, it's all about how designers, you know, we're, we're people that create tangible things, tangible results. <laughs> in design school, we're taught to, you know, begin with the end in mind. And, um, but the problem that comes with that, especially when you move outside of design school and you become an entrepreneur trying to help people solve business communication problems is that we're, Oh, so many designers don't value their thinking and the strategy and everything that goes on intangibly behind the scenes mm-hmm. that all that thinking and strategizing and um, problem solving without creating some sort of tangible thing is actually almost more valuable than just mm-hmm. the project completed. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, it is a paradigm shift and it's challenging to break outside of hourly payment, even outside of project payment and to just value all the time and energy and everything that goes on behind solving problems. Yes. So much we can't see Yep. all the experience, my entire life experience goes into exactly. exactly what I'm saying in this moment, you know? And so we have to value our entire experience. Like yep. even mm-hmm. things that are unrelated somehow can maybe inform a solution that we end up finding. Yep. And we can't expect other people to honor that more than we honor it ourselves. Mm-hmm. 
And, and because of the intangibility of a lot of these things, it's just so easy to not even see that we're not honoring, you know, everything that goes into what we're doing behind the scenes. You know, the amount of inner work that somebody does or the, the time that we spend contemplating, like, well, you know, I watch Kinsey all the time in her process and it's like the hours that she puts in in contemplation and, and thinking through process and how to make things um come come forward from other people that she works with like is insane sometimes and I'm like this is incredible and and Amanda I just feel like I don't want to I want to honor you because you have given so much of yourself and and your time and your energy and your vulnerability to your audience to the world and I don't I I know that you do value it, but I don't think that you have been honored to the level that you should have been yeah. for that. Well, thank you for that. I, I feel honestly so insanely grateful for both of you because Kinsey, or what you just said about Kinsey, Christy, and her, when, when, when you started working together, Kinsey, and I could feel how deep you were going into my field to get my world. Mm. I was like, whoa, okay. She's the girl and whoa, holy shit. Am I ready for someone to see me the way she's going to see me? Yeah. And, and even that, and even our, I love that you were the one who kind of, um, nudged the Sedona shoot and Christy the fact that you were just on board with it even not even knowing exactly why like <laughs> just kind of like okay well let's do it like I think again like I feel like you have Christy especially both of you but it's working with you and the way that you were able to reflect to me me because a you had watched my content and you were you already resonated with me and you mm-hmm. you guys both helped me see I need because it's so vulnerable. I need people who get it intimately. I can't Mm -hmm. share this space. It's why I've, I've gone towards this so many times towards like making it more of a business. And my stop every time has been, I haven't found a resonance that, that felt safe enough. And interestingly enough, I finally was just like, Hey universe, you bring my team to me. And it was funny because it was in a conversation that I had with Ricky and Ricky happened to be in Sedona with us. And even that, like, I don't even know. It's not like any of it was pre-planned. I didn't, pl- we're just like, well, Ricky has to be there. Like, you know, he's, not there. he's like, I don't really know why I'm here, but I'm happy to be here. Like, it was so weird, the whole thing. But I love it. I love how, I love how it came together. And I think that there's, there's something about when you said we opened a portal, this is it. It's the portal of this conversation and mm-hmm. this kind of reflection and I'm seeing equally in both of you what I why specifically empath entrepreneurs are so valuable to me and not just like impact I know the word impact gets overused but I mean people who truly have the ability to go in to your perspective and witness you without mm-hmm. judging you yeah yep. yeah that that is such a valuable gift and I'm I feel so safe I feel like the resonance I've been creating since we've worked together and the mentoring group that I'm doing right now has been one of the most powerful spaces I've ever created. And everyone, like the resonance is just so, I don't know, it's just different. It's such a new space for me because it's such a communion space. And I'm feeling because of that, where, where I'm getting fine tuned to and finding my preferences. And so I'm excited to dive 
deeper into these conversations with you guys and even our future collaborations and even releasing our video when we release it. Um, it's, I just feel like it's this weaving, we're weaving a story and we don't have to know the linear. We do this and we do that and we see it all clearly. And this is step one and two and three. Mm -hmm. Even though those, It's like we did step three and then we went back to step one and then two, it's, <laughs> it's you know? Yeah. And there's something about allowing that process process which I think is part of building the neural pathways to our reconnection yeah mm -hmm. and that's what always I think turned me off about being an entrepreneur initially mm -hmm. was like this emphasis and value that was placed on being super linear mm -hmm. and you know like even my work with uh, Marisa Murgatroyd for two years mentoring with her um like I just felt this frustration of like okay why aren't the results showing up is because she was she had created this very linear like pathway for everybody to follow and it just didn't work for a lot of people it worked for some which is great um and she's she's brilliant with what she does but you know I always felt like this was more of a non-linear process mm -hmm. and I the sense, the reason I was really attracted to you, Amanda, a year ago when I found you was your level of authenticity. And that word is thrown around so much, especially in the marketing world. It's like, well, what is authenticity really? It really is like vulnerability and the witness. And so I think your deepening into your vulnerability, your real humanness and your non-linear nature too as as a human because I think that's just a human thing is being non-linear <laughs> right um I think that's what's really pulling in the the right people to you um and creating that safe space those sacred spaces where um we really can and part of like sacred space too and the archetype of the magician in particular which all three of us are mm -hmm. um is that that's the archetype of initiation. Mm. So we're basically these people that can help hold a space, hold witness, and help people transform um, in a liminal space, basically. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that's very needed. <laughs> but yes. I feel like mainstream you know, way of talking about business. It's, it, this is not how most people talk about business, right? Mm -mm. It really does get down to these really deep, vulnerable things that I feel like everybody just skirts around, you know, they make it too linear, too scientific and formulaic. Mm -hmm. And the art has been lost in a lot of ways. Yes. Well, and I think this speaks to, for a long time, we needed a certain type of entrepreneur, a certain type of um, person, and they, and it was more of the, the technical linear side that was called for at that time. And I think, like this woman you mentored with, probably has a, an amazing formula for people who are linear. And yeah. I, th I think what the shift is that people were starting to realize there's this massive awakening in people who are realizing that their creativity is part of healing the grid and and it requires them seeing themselves in such a different space and allowing space for the non-linear and it's all connected to the creation and any judgments we have around that I think my biggest block was just feeling like you know, the system itself you know it's like how do you make space for that so mm -hmm. 
I think that there's something powerful in this conversation. There's something powerful in what we're all doing. And I can feel the people who are, who are resonating and, and coming to this same kind of comp, this realization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely can feel that this, this type of conversation is so needed. Mm-hmm. I just haven't heard anybody really talk about these things. And it's like, I feel like the three of us were so tuned in to this conversation too. Like anytime I jump back in and I watch a video of yours, Amanda, I'm like, these are all the things that I'm thinking about. Right now. <laughs> yeah. And I see that in the comments too, you know, mm-hmm. like people are like, thank you for articulating this. Like I've been thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the space where like, we are psychic. We are, we all, we all, we, we tend to think in similar waves, but through our own unique perspective. So when you find a group of people who are also thinking in anomaly with you, there, that's some, there's magic to that. Definitely it's, it's magic. Things that you're not saying out loud, you're not necessarily posting about, mm-hmm. you know, that's weird when you happen to find others who are having the same conversation. That's when mm-hmm. I realized, oh, there's a tech. It's not just that I put myself on, and the internet helped and it plugged us in, but we were all, we were tuning into a frequency before that we somehow, the internet allowed us to find that, oh, we're fortunate mm-hmm. the same thing. Yeah. How would we have known it otherwise? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Wow. I just, I just want to say, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for the internet. I'm so grateful for tech. I'm so grateful for, <laughs> for you guys, for the magician archetype, for the bridge archetype, for all the impact entrepreneurs that are stepping up and, and just wit- witnessing themselves. And, and even the people who wouldn't say they're an entrepreneur, but a creator, anyone who's creating, anyone mm-hmm. who's just creating anything, anything creating, that there's something to the energy of creation right now. It's, it's, it has such a potent power to it. The new world that's wanting to be birthed is like brimming with life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was yes. feeling that uh, Christy and I were talking earlier this week, and I know you've mentioned it a lot, Amanda, this like renaissance. Mm-hmm. That's the energy I feel like that's coming through. Mm-hmm. And like, like even what I said about, you know, marketing being very formulaic, there's like, there's a place for formulas. Like the formulas do give you hints to like how mm-hmm. to fill in the gaps, mm-hmm. you know, but I think this art that we've kind of lost sight of is coming back. Yeah. And that's what that renaissance feels like. That's what that energy is like. It's like, oh, we're valuing personal expression and, you know, being artistic with things and, you know, finding our gifts and really practicing our crafts. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that, that, yeah. that's what's coming back. I can feel it. Yeah. It's intimacy. It is with ourselves and with, I mean, it's like the, the art itself is, you know, creating what hasn't been created, going into the unknown and bringing forth something that hasn't been done before, which the more I have tuned into, you know, the new world that's available in this heaven on earth energy, it's like, why we all are kind of going through existential crisis because it is the void. Yeah. it's the pathless path the time there the timeline jumping is not even the thing anymore it is like there is no time there there that there's that we're creating an organic timeline that hasn't ever been created it's ultimate art at its at the core at the whole thing is art 
Yes, yes. The whole thing is our, and it's being built in the now. That's why all mm-hmm. the powers in the now and in what we're choosing in this moment with the present energies. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's brought me to a place of realizing that like visioning is different too. You know, we used to make vision boards and like, uh, you know, kind of psychically go into what we wanted to vision for our future and like, and then, you know, put, keep pulling that into the now. And that, that doesn't, that feels like old technology to me, mm-hmm. you know, this yeah. now visioning is like, I don't want to feel right now. And I wonder if I felt like that long enough right now, I wonder what would show up in my world to reflect it. Yes. And I feel like stuff manifests so much faster now. Mm-hmm. It's insane. It's like you want something and then it's like, it, you don't even really need to focus on it or envision it for that long. And it's like, it just shows up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how quickly I think, I, I think especially highly sensitive people, people who are really sensitive in their central nervous system, it's come to me over and over that it's a time for highly sensitive people to really prioritize feeling delicious. Like yeah. not mm-hmm. feeling guilty at all about, cause there's this, I feel like there's this, I don't want to stereotype might be too strong of a word, but this association with highly mm. sensitive people, like they're um, picky or high maintenance or, and there's, mm. and there's kind of that energy towards high maintenance. And I, I wonder if, if there's anyone I am imagine there's people on the grid right now who the greatest anomaly for them would be to, to like care more than they ever have about how they feel feel in their central nervous system and to, to move towards pleasure unapologetically and yeah. their precision of what they want. Yes. I was There's just definitely that. Shame about that. <laughs> you brought that up once Amanda to me on one of our mentoring calls. And, um, I was like, you're right. Like I, I it's not like I'm picky, like picky, it like has some shame around it. Mm-hmm. It's just that I'm precise about what I want. Yeah. And that's a awesome thing. That means I'm powerful. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And not only that, that the more we get into the thing we want, the more powerful it resonates in our resonance field, like in our will. Mm-hmm. So again, it's part of it. And often we, we resonate like we only allow, allow ourselves to have pleasure. Sometimes when we think, oh, well, I'm going to be bad. And there's something that feels so good about being bad because it's pleasurable, but then we go back to making it bad. So it stays like held hostage kind of, it doesn't mm-hmm. like, it doesn't expand and grow and make us like even more alive. It ends up taking energy from us, you know? Yeah. It doesn't just move through us. Now I got stuck in us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So it's part of the fine tuning. I feel like that's a whole other conversation we can dive into, but I, I feel like we hit on so many things and I can feel so many more, more weavings want to happen. And I would love to keep diving and weaving with you guys. I love that as well. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I feel, I feel incredibly grateful for this. Thank you. Yeah. Me as well. Thank you guys. Yeah. So grateful for both of you. Me too. I, I, I'm, I kind of keep thinking, feeling like we're going to keep seeing retrospect. Sedona is going to make, it's just going to have more, it's, it's going to be more and more and more and more symbolic of something that all of us are integrating. Yeah. I feel like what came up when you said that is Kenzie and I, uh, she introduced me to a song that I have fallen in love with, but it's the line of it is that 
um, vibrations or tremors that that shook long ago and I feel like Sedona was one of those tremors yeah, yeah. well remember I said usually every time I go to Sedona something in my life dies and like look like kind of fast forward and look where we all are yeah. you should have like, warned I, me a little bit more about that I know honestly I didn't know, I didn't realize I was going to be stepping into like have being a mom like mostly full-time Monday through Friday I did not realize that at the time and there's just it's such a big shift it's such a big shift I know for you guys too so yeah I I think we're gonna have a lot to to weave through as we like code it with our like with our new algorithm Mm -hmm. yes that whole thing was so symbolic I, I know it'll just continue to be more symbolic but like even when we were wrapping up and remember I was just like standing there holding the light mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we walked together in the dark uh Amanda up to your car and I was just holding the light <laughs> that's now like actually what my my brand identity is is like it's like this light it's the star mm-hmm. I it's love it forward I love it and so that's like awesome. that was very symbolic for me so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the whole thing. I'm gonna, it would be cool to have another conversation about Sedona and that trip altogether, especially leading up to us releasing it. Because I have like, now retrospect, looking back, I'm seeing so much, so much about that, about what was happening on like a deeper level and, and even a symbolic level and a magic intentional level and manifestation Mm -hmm. level. Like, it was potent. It really was. Like how it, the significant things that happened one that I was recognized twice within yes like an hour that was weird that was just weird two the two of like Wesley who's she has a podcast she lives here and I was on her podcast here she happened to be there and she's going through a massive transformation like an, a major upflow and she's changing everything about whatever she's doing. I don't even know the details, but like that girl's about to bloom, but weirdly she was there. So I know a major, there was a death going on in her life and a rebirth. And then Catherine Zinkina, who I follow on Instagram, she happened to be there. She's the manifestation babe. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So she was there that same weekend. We were there. Wow. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. There, there was something about that power grid. These are like all powerful people is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, that's weird that we were all called there. Like that's grid work to me. There's something, and it's in like the, it's in like the trillionaire status actually astronomical abundance because that's how much of a paradigm shift we're anchoring in and what I mean by that I whether I'm not saying that necessarily translates literally but what I'm saying is that's the kind of actual uh, resonance it it's reaching you this mm-hmm. this conversation even people who are n- never going to hear this one in particular but this mm-hmm. there there it's just there's something very profound and and phenomenal happening it's phenomenon right now Mm -hmm. and we don't none of us really quite understand it but as we just listen to our urge and act act on our instincts and like continue to fine-tune this that it's I think it's going to become more and more unclear that we're just like resonating to our manifestation there's nothing more to it other than mastery of our own resonance Mm yeah yep 